Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Lost Christmas Podcast. Christmas is the theme, and on this podcast, I explore the ins and outs of the holiday. Here you'll find history, folklore, mythology, recipes, stories, and tales from across the globe, and so much more. My name is Jeff, and I absolutely love Christmas. I'm so glad that you're joining today. Each episode has a different topic or two, diving deeply or shallowly into it as I share what I learn about the history of Christmas. At the end of the episode, you'll hear a short summary of the story from The Lost Years of Santa Claus, a book that explores the missing chapters in the life of the person we know as Father Christmas, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, and by many other names. Each story is broken into two or three parts, so be sure to listen to each episode to hear the whole story. All right, everybody, here we are with our movie, TV show, and book recommendation for this week. I've got some good ones for you. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. Um, We're going to start off strong with the movie, with a 1994 movie called The Ref. It's about a criminal who basically takes over, takes a couple hostage on Christmas Eve, and they drive him absolutely crazy. Really funny. It's a dark comedy. Obviously, it's got crime involved, but um, really interesting, really funny uh, brings up some really interesting points and talks about some interesting dynamics between married people. And anyway, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good one. I think you guys will enjoy it. It's often overlooked because it is a darker comedy, but highly recommend this 1994 movie. Next, we have uh, for our TV show we have American Dad season two episode nine, and this is called the best Christmas story never told. Well. If you're not familiar with American Dad, it's uh, about a man who works for the CIA. This is an animated TV show. It's a, like a cartoon for uh, teens and adults. Very funny. And so they, anyway, the dad goes back in time to try and alter some things. And it's more of a butterfly effect and what he changes. The USSR actually winds up taking over the US and all sorts of shenanigans. It's hilarious. A ton of fun. But frankly, quite to be very honest with you all of the american dad christmas specials are pretty funny i i recommend if you can if you can find them watch them because they are really really funny um i picked this one because i i I just i find the premise to be ridiculous and wonderful so there we have our tv episode and finally we have a book and it's going to tie into the episode theme here today the book is sherlock holmes and the christmas demon by james lovegrove so no this is not a sir arthur conan doyle uh, mystery although there is a wonderful sir arthur conan doyle sherlock holmes christmas story um i will reference that in the show notes you guys can see that this is a 2019 book i read it i absolutely loved it i love sherlock holmes i love a good mystery I love a thriller and the investigation and anyway I just I cannot recommend this book enough it is absolutely wonderful I really think you guys will enjoy it so please check it out don't forget the ref American Dad season 2 episode 9 and Sherlock Holmes and the Christmas Demon now without much further ado let's talk about Chris mysteries all of our favorite mystery movies uh, a couple of TV shows and books and some real-life Christmas mysteries maybe even some questions from Christmas movies Hello, all you Christmasers. I hope you guys are looking forward to this episode as much as I am. I, One of the things you may know about me, I love books. I love to read. I, I especially love kind of three things reading-wise. Um, one, I love fantasy, whether it's pulp fantasy or historical fantasy, whatever it is, I absolutely love uh, fantasy books. Two, I like to read about math and sports. 
yeah, I know. I, I love reading math books. I have a ton of them. Absolutely enjoy them. And then third, I love mysteries and thrillers. I cannot get enough of these uh, from Agatha Christie to Mary Higgins Clark. It does not matter. I am a sucker for a good mystery and Christmas and mysteries put together. Ah, absolute perfect combo for me. So today I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about all of the the different ways that mysteries are involved in the Christmas season. So uh, I'm going to present you guys with some Christmas mysteries from movies, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of like give you guys a little bit of info so you can dig in and um, read about some Christmas mysteries of your so you can read research them on your own. I think you guys will enjoy that. Um, and then I've got some Christmas movies to present to you, a Christmas TV episode I think you'll like a mystery and uh, several Christmas mystery books. And I think this will um, kind of fill out your, your holiday reading, uh, some holiday watching, maybe some stuff you've missed over the years, and maybe introduce you to some really, really great new stuff. So without much further ado, let's talk about some real life Christmas mysteries. So there's, there's a couple. I'm really only gonna hit on two in this section just because we have a lot to cover today. But I think, mysteries and Christmas. I've talked about this uh, countless times, but the supernatural and Christmas are so closely tied together. Uh, part of it being from the, the winter solstice and it being the around the longest night of the year. The days are so short, the nights are so long. It's cold outside, typically in the northern hemisphere. Now in the southern hemisphere, this is likely different, but inverted, right? You could put this in your own winter, uh, winter solstice and kind of the same would apply. And so I think kind of what what makes it so interesting is that there's just a lot of people are stuck inside there's stories there's uh, you know you hear the creaking and the noise outside and you're just unsure and so there's all sorts of this spiritual phenomena that people associate with christmas and you know how you want to approach it kind of up to you but um first we're going to do a supernatural mystery and this is called the warminster thing so in the 60s and 70s, Warminster had a lot of UFO and um, sort of, yeah, UFO, unidentified flying object sightings, um, some mysterious objects in the sky. There was a, a like a sound wave uh, in 1964, Christmas morning. Um, it supposedly vibrated and shook the ground. Now, people don't know what this was. Was it aliens? Was it a military experiment? Was it um, like an earthquake? No one knows what this was. Really, it's a great mystery. I recommend you guys dive into this on your own. I think you will really, really find some enjoyment in it. It's, it's a really interesting problem and mystery. And uh, yeah, I think you guys will. I think you guys will really, really like this. Next, we have something that I've talked about on the show, but not the mystery involved around it. And that is, who really wrote A Visit from St. Nicholas? Or The Night Before Christmas, as it's commonly known. So... They didn't really know who wrote this for many, many years after it was first published because it was submitted pretty anonymously. Later, after several years, uh, Clement Seymour claimed credit for it and is commonly attributed as the person who wrote this. I don't have an opinion on this. Um, I, I'm not a literary expert, but there are many people who have researched this exact topic and they don't think that Clement Seymour wrote this at all. And I'll give you some reasons why, and you guys can can dive into the mystery yourselves and see uh, kind of form an opinion of your of your own. Um, so there are many literary scholars who don't think that this fits the work of Clement Seymour. It's very different. the The prose that he uses is different. 
Um, but there's a man named Henry Livingston Jr. who many believe actually wrote this poem and it aligns much better to his body of work. And there's one key piece of evidence that a lot of people tie to this and that's the original names of two of the reindeer. So in the original poem, two reindeer were named Dunder and Blixum. I went over this um, in the, the animal episode, the reindeer episode last season. So please go back and check that out if you're curious. There's a whole history of the of reindeer and Santa Claus, but won't dive into that too much. But so in this original poem, there were two reindeer named Dunder and Blixum. And in Dutch, that means thunder and lightning. So when it there was a printing error and just people weren't careful and they wound up changing it to Donder and Blitzen. And when Clement Seymour rewrote the story, was asked to write it again later, he used the mistaken names. Now, you could take that one way or another, right? I mean, it, it could be that it was just so common that people had, that he just accepted that th those were the names of the reindeer at this point. But Clement Seymour did not speak Dutch. Henry Livingston Jr. did. He was of Dutch descendancy. He spoke Dutch quite well. And so to, to know that Thunder and Lightning is Dunder and Blixum, it, it's just an interesting, interesting case. So explore that mystery all your own. It's commonly credited to Clement Seymour, but I find it to be a pretty, pretty interesting and worthwhile mystery for you guys to dig into. So have at that. Um, now, Comedically, I've got some mysteries or unanswered questions from some uh, Christmas movies. They're kind of funny, in my opinion, and so uh, maybe you guys have the answers to these. Um, so first, we'll start off in Home Alone 1 and the pizza guy. So Kevin orders a pizza, tells the kid to go, the pizza delivery kid to go around back, and he ref doesn't really leave a tip. And then he proceeds to play the tape with the machine gun firing and the pizza kid is scared for his life, runs off and speeds off. Um, so I guess my question is, why didn't he call the police? Um, he was shot at, apparently. He thought he was being shot at by a machine gun. So it would have been interesting to call the police. Perhaps the whole movie might not have happened. So mystery number one. Number two uh, is the entire movie of Home Alone 2 where is cps they did exist in the 1990s so where is cps it happened the year before where his family lost him so interesting story um interesting to check out and perhaps they were maybe that's why there was never a third one with uh, with the McAllisters because cps got involved hopefully not uh and i say this in complete jest by the way uh next in the grinch and this is pretty universal in every version of the grinch maybe not in the like most recent 2018 ish version but cindy lou who she looks so different from the rest of the who's she looks like a uh, adorable little girl not like the weird disfigured who people um also the grinch he's a what they at least refer to in the poem um or the story he's not a who he's more of a what but he looks so monstrous and kind of like a coyote and a wolf and um, like a Sasquatch had a baby. But Cindy Lou Who looks so different. Why does she look so different? Why is her, why are her features more um, humanistic, I guess, humanoid? Um, so interesting question to think about. Perhaps that's the whole premise is that she is this absolutely adorable little creature and that's why the Grinch was convinced to change his ways. Either way, very interesting. I recommend going back and watching it. It's like 25 minutes, so it won't take you long. Um, but check it out. Even in the animated version, she looks different than the rest of the Who's. Um, and then lastly, in the movie Elf, 
Two questions here. One, was the orphanage shut down when Buddy went missing? We really don't know. Uh, It never really talks about that. And then two, the elves kept him because he was an orphan, but no one informed the the orphanage that the that basically buddy had been adopted by um all the elves at the north pole really interesting uh i'm sure there's a lot to that anyway those are just some funny some funny questions to ask um obviously every movie especially funny movies have tons of plot holes christmas movies are no exception there are plot holes in every single movie um you know another one is die hard hans gruber has a notebook and he looks at it writes some stuff down after speaking to the the party goers the first time you never see the notebook again so what's in that notebook what is it well is it important regardless that's enough of real christmas mysteries let's talk about some mystery movies and some christmas mystery books so movies i'm going to start in the 1930s uh 1934 the thin man uh It's about a missing person and a retired detective. Really great movie. A lot of people reference this as an underrated Christmas movie, and they should. It is excellent. Highly recommend this. Seek this out and watch it. Uh, I'm going to blast these off pretty quickly. Um, So 1944, about a decade later, we have Christmas Holiday, which is a noir film based on the novel of the same name by W. Somerset Maugham. And it's a woman falls in love. The man she falls in love with isn't who she thought he was. Um, He goes to prison. She leaves. They divorce. um, And then he reappears Christmas Eve in New Orleans. Um, Lots of drama. Lots of intrigue. It's a noir film. So... Um, great music the atmosphere is dark absolutely love this i think you guys will really enjoy it too a couple of years later this is prime noir film territory so don't be surprised also i love noir film so this i mean makes perfect sense that i would pick these um 1947's lady in the lake so a private detective submits a story to a magazine um he's kind of down on his luck and they call him in to go over the story but really it's a ruse they want to hire this guy to find a missing person really great story i think you guys will really really like this one it's got a bunch of twists and turns it's got some subtle things you need to take notes during the movie uh really really enjoyed this one uh lastly we have a recent movie um it's a I believe a hallmark movie signed sealed delivered for christmas um so this is a 2014 film it's about these postal detectives they discover a letter written to god on christmas and they work to help a little girl um, well I, I think they discovered on christmas eve and they work to uh, help this little girl uh, and answer her question and help her out on christmas uh, excellent excellent movie um, there is mystery involved they're trying to figure out who she is where she is how they can help her great 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 film i uh, really recommend it and then lastly i have one tv show um it's it's midsummer murders if you're familiar with murder mysteries or mysteries then you'll know this show um it's a like a, a pretty procedural drama crime drama um but there's ghosts of christmas past self-explanatory it's a tv show about murders and and anyway i think you guys will really enjoy this so check that episode out i believe it's streaming in the uk a couple of different places in the u.s i think you can find it on amazon but please correct me if i'm wrong there lastly here's the part i was really super excited about here are the books so i have some chris mystery books and these are not all-encompassing there are far far more than this um the english countryside murder mystery is very common so i tried to limit myself to just one of those i guess two technically because i have our i have an agathy christie novel here um but i think you guys will really enjoy these so here we go 
Uh, starting first, Silent Night by Mary Higgins Clark. So the premise is a boy gets kidnapped or goes missing on Christmas Eve. Danger is lurking around every corner. The father found out he has leukemia, and that's overshadowed by the kid going missing. There's danger, there's twists, there's turns, there's drama, excitement. Uh, you will have trouble putting this one down. It is a page turner. I think you will really enjoy it. Uh, next, Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot's Christmas. I loved this short little uh, short story. I thought it was great. Um, I... I like Agatha Christie. You either do or you don't as a mystery person. I understand it either way. Um, but it's a it's a family intrigue. Families brought together at Christmas time. Hercule Poirot is traveling. He happens to be going through the area. Uh, go figure. And they call him in. You can't get anything by this guy. He is the best detective and absolutely love it. Uh, next, we have a more modern book, The Christmas Train by David Baldacci. I, I literally just finished this one today fantastic it's got uh, it's an excellent book it's got great characters lots of fun drama romance um mystery there's crime going on on this train so a writer is going cross-country because he's banned from flying in the u.s for two years so he's uh, he's taking a train from new york all the way to um, los angeles and all sorts of things happen there's fantastic just great characters and I, I like David Baldacci. I like a couple of his other series too, not Christmas related. But this one is just so, so great. It really digs into humanity and people and um, how kind of raw people can be and how really important it is for us to just form connections with people. Like being alone is, even if you're a loner, you still need connections to someone. So really, really great book. I highly recommend that. Uh, next, we've got 19th Christmas by James Patterson. This is the Women's Murder Club. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar, this is the 19th book in that series, The Women's Murder Club. Uh, I don't want to get into that. That You could do a whole series of podcast episodes about these these books. But there's a, a, a criminal who releases some information, and he calls himself Loman, and he plans a deadly surprise on Christmas for Christmas morning, and he he asks for and gets help from other criminals to mask his crimes and disguise his motives, and hour by hour they're counting down trying to solve this mystery and uh, prevent this travesty from happening. Really, really great, really great book. And for any of these that are in a series, you don't really need to read the previous ones. There might be some character interaction that's a little funny to you, but you get past that because really it's about the investigation and the discovery and the mystery around it. So I wouldn't worry too much if you haven't read the other Women's Murder Club. This is just as good a place to jump in as any. So um, we have three left. Uh, next, we have An English Murder by Cyril Hare. Um, this is... English countryside Christmas murder really is what this is. Um, it's got an interesting cast of character, and it, I guess what kind of sets this apart for me is it has a really unique murder and unusual characters. So typically in an English countryside mystery, you kind of get um, like archetypal characters, like the the distant relative, the grandfather, the the in between, the grandkids, the nieces and nephews, the butler, uh, the staff. But this one, it just added, I really, I enjoyed this. I thought it had some really unique characters and some twists on some characters that were really, really good. So I highly recommend this one, especially if you're looking for that typical English countryside murder mystery. Um, I talked about it at the beginning of the episode in my book recommendation, but Sherlock Holmes and the Christmas Demon is, again, it's a, it's a countryside 
English countryside Christmas mystery, but this one is Sherlock Holmesy. And for those of you that have read Sherlock Holmes, there is a different vibe to it. It is similar to Hercule Poirot in some ways, in that there are little details. If you can pick up on them, it, obviously, if you're not Sherlock Holmes, which I am not, you're going to miss plenty of this. But it is well worth your time to read this. I highly recommend it. It was it kept me guessing the whole way. I I could I would have had no idea. Um, I, I was completely wrong in all of my guesses. So in my brain, I go through like how I would uh, try and solve each of these mysteries. And, and I was wrong the whole way, the whole way on this one. And I uh, highly recommend it. Lastly, uh, it's a compilation. It's called The Usual Santas. And so I'll be very honest with you. I did not like about half of the short stories in this book, but I really enjoyed about a third of them. And then that other... I don't know, like one sixth was 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 pretty good. So it's a collection of short stories by mystery writers. There are so many, so many fantastic authors that submitted stories here. Some of them are really dark. Some of them are really happy and joyful. Some of them are like great short mysteries. Like they could be books on their own if they expanded on them. But I highly recommend this just because there are so many, so many great stories in it. So. So there you have it, everybody. There is uh, about 15 minutes on some real mysteries, some Christmas movie mysteries, and some Christmas book mysteries. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Now, stick around, and next we are going to have part one of Santa and why he looks different everywhere. Why does Santa look uh, different in the UK versus in France? And uh, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this. Up next, Lost Years of Santa. The ability to deceive is often misunderstood. Perhaps that's because the chief reason to mislead someone is for selfish and malicious purposes, but deception can serve plenty of good in its own way. Before casting stones, do hear me out as this story is a prime example of such a situation and one that deserves consideration. Chris is not one to mislead maliciously, nor one to act selfishly, especially under the guise of giving. The question arises quite often, why does dear Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, Kris Kringle, Père Noël, Father Christmas, Hoteosha, or whatever name you call our beloved hero, why does he appear different to me than someone in the next country over, the next county over, the next state, or even my next door neighbor? Why is he different? Well, dear reader, it is an interesting story that takes us back to Gorilla, the ogre sorceress, and her pursuits. Dovkin woke, sat up slowly, creaking and grunting. He then stretched, reaching his arms high over his head, pulling the fog of sleep off of him like a blanket. Young by gnomish standards, Dovgin was a handsomish fellow, certainly not unattractive, but had never stayed in one place long enough to find a special someone and settle down. Chris tended to get far more attention than he did, which made plenty of sense. Chris now stood more than twice Dovgim's height and was an imposing figure to behold. However strong Dov's magic was, and he had spent years learning and perfecting certain illusory magics, he still paled in comparison to the strapping young human. Chris, being the only one of his ilk in the realm of non-humans, tended to keep to himself the attention he received from all manner of Elva, gnomes, dwarves, and even some orkkin aside. The two companions had quickly come to the conclusion that Floral's involvement in the release of the Shades upon the human world was no mere coincidence, and since then, Chris had made the decision to stick to himself and his friends, romance having no place in his world, so he thought. Dovgum had spotted the Under Elva several times in the years since then, 
Usually while she peered at Chris from a distance, the human woefully unaware but the gnome, quite disgusted with the girl and her actions, never once said a word to Chris about the sightings. He knew it was better this way. All that said, Dovgim appreciated the fairer sex and knew that he wanted a family of his own someday. That wouldn't happen with his gallivanting off with the twins, a deer, Chris, occasionally Elwyn, or even Chris's darned lynx companion that seemed to domesticate itself whenever convenient, usually whenever rain or cold struck the area. Deciding to put himself out there, Domgim had met with a matchmaker, a dwarvish woman of some renown. She had a penchant for perfectly matching couples, ensuring that two people would hit it off, resulting in many marriages. After a few weeks of networking and searching, she'd found the perfect partner for Dovgim, and he was thrilled. Today for breakfast, he was to meet this mystery lady, and who knows? Maybe this would be the day he fell in love, head over heels, as you will. He washed himself and combed his hair, selecting a fine shirt the color of forest leaves in spring, neat and straight, completely stainless. The copper buttons shone after being polished, and not a speck of lint or dust remained. Dovgim had nervously gone over this shirt, pants, jacket, and shoes with a fine-tooth comb, proverbially and literally, several times in the previous two days. The gnome washed his face, gargled with pepperminty tea, freshening his breath to an almost obscene level, and then headed out. He arrived early at the bakery. That's an understatement, of course, as Dovgim had arrived more than half an hour before the agreed-upon time, but in his mind, this was necessary. The selection of the perfect table, with perfect lighting, was of utmost importance. Every detail was to be analyzed and scrutinized. While looking over a table for the fourth time, Dovgan was interrupted while muttering to himself by someone tapping him on the shoulder. He turned, flustered, to see this person. She stood a bit shorter than he did, with long brown hair done up in braiding so intricate and woven that Dovgan imagined it must have taken hours to prepare. Her face was a warm bronze color, glowing with an orange-red undertone that seemed to light up the entire shop. Good morning, sir. I believe that we are to meet today for some breakfast. My name is Karhana Fluktwist, and it is a pleasure to meet you. With this, she took his hand and shook it firmly, in a manner that would have pleased Chris and likely surprised the giant with its ferocity. Dovgim shook her hand for 30 seconds at least before realizing that he had instinctively held onto it for far too long, and was nearing the point of making the entire exercise incredibly uncomfortable. I, uh, yes, I, I mean, he stammered, trying to find his words. He'd expected someone attractive, and a gnome, but not in his wildest dreams did he envision meeting someone this angelic. Trying to regain his senses, he used actions instead, motioning his hand toward the table that his analysis had deemed to be ideal for this scenario. Oh, this is the perfect table. Good spacing and the lighting is ideal for conversation. Bright, but not overly so, and away from points of ingress and egress. Excellent selection, Mr. Carhana replied, tilting her head in such a way as to indicate an expected response. Dovgim, Mr. Dovgim Gurkatabin Lafogil, at your service, my dear, he said with an elegant, if not silly, bow. Riding himself, he looked her way and was relieved to see a wry smile on her face. She was dressed in warm colors, carefully matching and complementing her skin and hair tones. In the light of the table, auburn and red tones appeared in her hair, flaring to life as if stoked by a flame. On her dress, she wore an amulet of purest silver color, not spectacular, but certainly not eye-catching in its simplicity. They talked for some time before Dovgim realized they had not yet ordered anything, so he ran to the counter and procured baked goods, quiches, pies, and tea for the two to share, strike out new conversations over favored foods, techniques for preparing meals, and things that Dovgim greatly appreciated. The conversation was sparkling, and Karhana's personality outshone her rather impressive looks. Completely smitten, Dovgim was sad to bid adieu in fear of never seeing this girl again. After assuring the gnomish man that they would definitely be seeing each other again soon, Krahana headed on her way across town. 
She hailed a carriage and directed the driver back to her residence. She'd recently made Il Elamore her home, finding a suitable location in the highly priced western portion of the city. Her home sat behind a large stone fence, protected by a metal gate that gleamed in the late morning sun as she approached, the eastern sun shining off the front windows, sparkling the sunlight all over in a million directions, as if the house were enchanted somehow. Having paid the driver, she walked up the path and glanced at her reflection in a birdbath, frightening those birds that had gathered to enjoy the crystal clear water. The truth about illusionary magic is, no matter how powerful, there was always some semblance of truth revealed. Finding the truth in a, an illusion is tricky, incredibly tricky in fact. The amulet Karhana wore contained intense, immense magic that would change one's appearance to whatever either the wearer imagined or to be whatever the viewer imagined the wearer to be. Complex, ancient magic swelled deep inside the simple silver object. The reflection back to Karhana was harsh. Greenish, straw-colored hair, greenish, straw-colored skin covered by thin, stringy hair and the color of pitch. Teeth too large and too small filled her grin, and the ogress point poked a finger into the water to dispel the image. Her plan was working impressively thus far. So there you have it, folks. We've uh, kicked off why is Santa described differently? Why does he look different all around the world? And in two more episodes, we will have the conclusion, and you will know exactly why Santa looks so different from one place to the other and why that is to be expected. I hope you guys have enjoyed this tale from uh, Lost Years of Santa Claus, and I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode from the Lost Christmas Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, and I'm a proud new member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Please check out some of the fantastic, fantastic podcasts on here. Um, I would recommend, I'm going to recommend a couple of them each episode. Um, this week, please check out the Totally Rad Christmas Podcast featuring Jerry. He does an excellent job. And also, please check out Tis the Podcast. These guys have been doing it for years. They do an excellent job covering all manner of Christmas topics. I think you guys will really, really enjoy both of those. I will link them both in um, in the notes of this episode. And as always, um, please... Uh, Follow the podcast, subscribe, and give us a rating on any podcast network you can. We really, really appreciate it. This is a, a, an act of love, and uh, I, I really, really appreciate you guys. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and as always, you can email me, lostchristmaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Merry Christmas, you guys, and I will see you next week. And before I forget, I want to say a special thank you to one of my best friends in the whole world, Brian Shepard and Jerry L. Williams, two people who created this wonderful custom music that you hear uh, underneath while I'm talking. And I just I want to thank them so much for, for putting this together just for this podcast. You can find more stuff from them in the, the link below, as I will put a link in the show notes. And you guys, be sure to check them out and give them rave reviews. They are both wonderful. And Brian, thank you again so much for helping me out with this.
balls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. 